Welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Maves, your host for tonight's show. And on this broadcast, we'll be featuring Russ Snyder, and he'll be answering your questions on Fly Fishing Glacier National Park. The show will be 90 minutes in length, and we're broadcasting live over the Internet. If you'd like to ask Russ a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Just fill in your name and email address in the form on the right side of our web pages, and we'll let you know when the next live show will be. This broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website about 48 hours after the show ends. You can also find it on any of the podcast distribution sites like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So if you have to leave early, you can return to our website or any of the podcast platforms at your convenience and listen to the recording at any time. If you're out and about on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, we'd sure appreciate it if you'd share our podcast. And when you do, use the hashtag AskAboutFlyFishing and also hashtag FlyFishing. In fact, if you have a moment, do it right now and share the knowledge that we're going to provide for everyone tonight. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted and is the property of the Knowledge Group Inc. Doing businesses ask about fly fishing. When we return, we'll be talking with Russ Schneider about fly fishing Glacier National Park. Colorado River at Lee's Ferry is called by some the world's largest spring creek. It's a massive clear-running tailwater fishery that runs 15.5 miles from the base of Glen Canyon Dam to the upper reaches of the Grand Canyon. At times, it gives the impression of being not one or two, but a series of parallel Spring Creek-like waterways. The fishing is great, and the scenery is gorgeous. Lee's Ferry Anglers provides professional guide service to this outstanding rainbow trout fishery, as well as food and lodging at Cliff Dweller's Restaurant and Lodge. See for yourself why Lee's Ferry is on every fly fisher's must-do list. Visit leesferryanglers.com or call them at 800-962-9755. That's leesferries.com or call them at 800-962-9755. Before we introduce Russ, I'd like to let you know about the great prizes we have to give away tonight. For a drawing tonight, we'll be giving away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered for the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look for the link under Russ's section that says register for our drawing. Click on that link, fill out the form, and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away a copy of Russ's book, Fishing Glacier National Park. Now, here's how you can win Russ's book. You must be the first person to answer the question we ask at the end of the show. And the question will be about something that Russ and I talk about during the show. Just submit your answer along with your name and location using that text box on our home page. So listen closely and use your best typing skills. Take some notes, and maybe you'll win Russ's book, Fishing Glacier National Park. Our guest tonight is Russ Schneider. Russ was born when Stevie Wonder released the funkiest song of all time, Superstition. His hometown is Helena, Montana, and Russ was a backpacking, fishing, hiking, and rafting guide with Glacier Guides and Montana Raft from 1994 to 2002, and has been back as a fishing guide since 2019. He is the author of Fishing Glacier National Park and Hiking the Columbia River Gorge and the co-author of Hiking Montana and Backpacking Tips with his father, Bill Schneider, 
who was the co-founder of Falcon Guides. When Russ is not fishing, floating, hiking, riding, or biking, he's probably crunching numbers on an outside consulting project or doing some community thing. Russ is known for his custom Rapid Robert-style wooden drift boat and his appreciation for native park fisheries. As Russ says, the key to life is to build communities around things you care about, whether that is your family or your hobby or your cause. What's his favorite place? We won't disclose all his secret spots, but it's definitely in the park. Russ, welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. Good to have you tonight. Yeah, thanks, Roger. So, yeah, I really yeah, appreciated um, that introduction. It was it was very kind of you, and uh, you know, I really am proud to kind of be been able to grow up kind of with the outdoor lifestyle that my parents helped me with, and my dad's tradition of publishing books and and hiking and writing guidebooks and stuff really kind of helped me get into a good start in life, really. Yeah, you can thank Dad for that. It's funny, last week my son and his family, and he's got a 7-year-old and a 5-year-old now, were up skiing Keystone in Summit County here in Colorado. And they're sending me videos and stuff of the kids, uh, my grandchildren skiing, and they always thank me for taking them fishing and backpacking and skiing when they were little, you know, and they still do it today, my kids, with their kids, with my grandkids. So I hear you loud and clear. It's really nice to have that flow down through the, the generations in your family. It's good for you, too. Yeah, and that... Dad and the fun thing about it is, you know, when you're really little and you're hiking, like in Glacier Park, when I hiked as a, a kid, you know, I didn't have to carry near as much stuff because your dad carries a lot of stuff for you. And you just carry your pole and maybe your sleeping bag and a couple other things. And you hike all day and then you look at your dad and he's pretty tired. <laughs> and you're ready to go fishing. Right, right. Yeah, I, I remember the first time that I took my son, I don't know how old, maybe he was like seven or something, but... He was just carrying a day pack, and I think he had a sleeping bag, and that was it. You know, <laughs> and, and I had carried. So I know, I know, I've been there. Yeah, but lots of good memories, right? Lots of good memories. Yeah, go ahead, Roger. Yeah, we're uh, we need to start, and we do have an international audience here. I'd like to start out. Let's just talk geographically. Where is Glacier National Park? And maybe you can give us a little background about the park. How did it come to be, or something like that, as well. Yeah, so Glacier National Park is in northwest Montana in the United States. It abuts the northern border of the United States. Right across the border is Waterton Lakes National Park, which is kind of considered its sister park, and together Glacier and Waterton are an international peace park, forming kind of the northern part of Montana. Glacier is also part of one of the largest roadless areas in the lower 48 states when you take the... Uh, the Bob Marshall Wilderness, the Scapegoat, uh, the Great Bear Wilderness to the south. It's one of the biggest areas for wildlife habitat kind of left in the United States. Obviously in Canada they have some big spaces as well in Alaska too, but in the lower 48, Glacier is really part of an immense ecosystem, both for fish, lots of free-running streams, native fish in them, lots of big wildlife, including grizzly bears, elk, and the like. It's uh, the easiest way to get here is probably the Glacier International Airport in Kalispell, Montana, which is just south of Whitefish, where I live. You can also get there. Glacier has other 
spots like Great Falls. A lot of people come from Great Falls or go to Yellowstone first and drive up to Glacier from Yellowstone. Or we get a lot of folks from Calgary around here too, so you can, when the border crossing gets a little easier, you can come down from Canada. And there is, there is a Glacier National Park in Canada. There's also Glacier National Park Canada. That's not to be confused with Glacier National Park USA. The one in Canada is up near Revelstoke, BC, probably good skiing still this time of year. Yeah, yeah. I'm embarrassed to say the last time I was in that park was probably about 1964. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, my mom, and I were driving from Chicago, Illinois, to Anchorage, Alaska, and we went through there on the way up. We were taking the Alcan Highway all the way to Alaska. But I don't remember hardly any of it. But um, I need to get back, obviously. Like I said, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't been back. But so many places to go and be, it's tough. Well, yeah, that, and a couple that, I, I didn't – yeah, go, go ahead. ahead, Roger. Well, I was yeah, just, just going to say, you know, one thing people should be aware of, the park kind of did implement a reservation system for both the Going to Sun Road and the North Fork uh, this summer. So you'll need to get reservations for some of the driving in the park, the main road, the Going to Sun Road through the park, and the road into the North Fork is going to require permits uh, this summer. Now, if you're fishing, you can fish off-season in the spring and the fall and not have to worry about some of those uh, um, permit times. But in peak season, you'll need to think about the reservation system, at least for the core part of the park. Go yeah, ahead, that's, that's getting to be the case in more and more places, isn't it? I know Yosemite is as blocked off to where you can't even drive into the park anymore, as I understand it. And I guess, you know, it's just the number of people that I have to contend with. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, you know, um, the bright side of that is it does limit the fishing pressure in some areas. Once you get to an area that has kind of, you know, limits the amount of access, you might have it all to yourself, and the fishing might be a little better than you expected. Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. What are the fishing regulations inside the park? Do you need a Montana fishing license or do you buy a park license or how do they work that? You know, Glacier is unique in that no paid fishing license is required to fish in the park. So you don't have to buy a oh. Montana fishing license. You can fish without kind of purchasing any kind of license. They do like you to pick up a couple of regulations at one of the visitor centers because there are some closed waters and there are some specific regulations for what types of fish you can keep or have to release. Glacier is fairly forward-thinking in their fisheries management. They have kind of a release all native species approach, and you can keep any non-native species as much as you like, with a few exceptions in the regulations. But it's an interesting approach for national parks where you have other areas where they're doing slot limits or trying to encourage certain types of fish to get bigger and such. Glaciers really native fish versus non-native fish in their fishing regulation hmm. management. Do they have any um, issues with non-native fish like, you know, Yellowstone did with the lake trout and so forth? Yeah, lake trout are interesting in Glacier because they are actually native to the east side of the park. So in St. Mary Lake, lake trout are actually a native fish to Glacier, but on the west side of the park, they've really wreaked havoc on the bull trout population coming mm -hmm. out after they were planted in Flathead Lake and then moved up into the 
the streams and rivers up above. And once, you know, there's a fair amount of research, and the park researchers have done a nice job documenting a lot of this, that once lake trout kind of move into a drainage that they've never been in before, they tend to dominate it. Some of the reasons I think from that, from my non-biologist background, is lake trout tend to spawn in the lake, kind of away from a danger, whereas bull trout need clear, they're like salmon, they need clear, clean streams high up in the mountains to spawn in. And so there's definitely a spawning disadvantage for bull trout, at least on the east side, or on the west side. On the east side, where lake trout are native, they've kind of developed together. And when you talk to folks about why is there a fairly stable population of lake trout and bull trout in St. Mary Lake, it's because they were both kind of there through time and didn't get artificially dumped in in recent man history. Yeah, so they evolved together in their environment. Yeah, yeah, interesting. They did, and uh, it's the other part of the regulations that we I should mention, it's really important to learn kind of how to identify fish. So even though you don't have to get a license and it's pretty easy to just start fishing in the park, it's real important to kind of spend a little time online looking at some pictures of fish and pictures of the different types of fish you need to let go. And then if you're not sure, you always want to let the fish go. Sure, sure. What else, legal or illegal, should one know about? I mean, I know like in Yellowstone, you're not allowed to have felt-bottomed boots, you know. So are there any things like that that you need to be aware of? Yeah, those kind of regulations are pretty similar to Yellowstone as far as aquatic invasive species. You do have to get a boat inspection permit for your float tube. Another thing people sometimes don't remember is if you're on the Blackfeet tribal land, you need to have to have your waders inspected before you start fishing. There's some things kind of like that. The boat permit system is pretty efficient. Like if you have a little raft or float tube you want to take to a lake, you have to stop in APGAR at the um, inspection station, and they give you a little pink ticket that you're supposed to display on your on your float tube when you go in the park. And that's mostly to prevent mussels and other invasive mm-hmm. kind of species in getting into the waters of the park. What about lead? Is that allowed, lead weights? They don't allow lead except for... Uh, on a, a downrigger anchor, they will let you use a downrigger anchor, but you can't use a lead line. Lead line used to be popular. And you can't use those old school, I still have a couple in the shed, those old school big lead lake trout jigs that uh, folks would use to kind of jig for lake trout. Those aren't legal. Luckily nowadays there's pretty good equipment out there that's steel weights if you're into that type of fishing. Obviously, with fly fishing, you should be pretty safe not having a lot of lead. You don't want to have lead-weighted flies, though. So most folks are tying flies nowadays with the non-lead wire for weight, so right. it's not as much of a problem in fly fishing. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll dig more into uh, fishing in Glacier National Park. So hang tight here, and we'll be right back. There are not many places in the world where you can fly fish for permit, tarpon, bonefish, and snook all within a few miles of each other. But you can in Belize. When you fish with Charlie Leslie fly fishing, you're only minutes away from some of the finest fly fishing in Belize. 
You'll start out from Placencia and take just a 30-minute boat ride to the islands and reefs that hold the trophies you're after. Once you're there, you'll be fishing lagoons full of tarpon and targeting permit on flats of Permit Alley. Bonefish and snook are ready for your cast as well. Charlie Leslie, with over 50 years of experience in the waters of Belize and his hand-picked guides, know the waters like no others. Book your next Belize adventure now with Charlie Leslie Fly Fishing. Visit charliesleflyfishing.com or call 303-430-4634. That's charliesleflyfishing.com or 303-430-4634. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Russ Schneider about Fly Fishing Glacier National Park. If you'd like to ask Russ a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com. Use that Q&A text box to send us your question. Russ, I always ask my guests, you know, what's going on in your fly fishing world right now? Tell us what's happening. Well, ironically, the winter is one of the times I like to fish myself quite a bit instead of kind of doing guided trips. So I do a fair amount of fishing in the winter, kind of till we get to uh, spring runoff. And, you know, then I usually take a break and try and uh, ride my bike a little bit, get back in shape a little bit. And I've also been working on a hiking guide. I've been in Utah working on a hiking guide to Utah that I'm doing with my dad. And then organizing my stuff and getting the boats out of the snow, doing boat maintenance, that kind of thing. That's the kind of stuff I do this time of year. As far as getting ready for summer, I start thinking about how many trips I'm going to do this summer and, and when I'm going to be available and you know where I want to go. Those are the kind of things that are going on for me in my fly fishing life right now. <laughs> yeah, and what kind of guiding are you doing? Are you doing uh, walk-in hiking guiding? Are you doing drift boat guiding? What, what, what do you offer? Well, that's a good subject. So I... I've done fishing trips on the Middle Fork and the North Fork of Flathead River for glacier guides off and on for a long time, and I'll be doing that again this summer. Glacier's interesting in that there is no guided fishing in the park, so different than Yellowstone where there's it's kind of an outfitter heyday. In Yellowstone, Glacier has a concessionaire setup where there is guided hiking and tour buses and that kind of thing, but there's no actual guided fishing in the park. So folks don't have to compete with outfitters in the park, but they do offer guided trips on the borders of the park. So the rivers in the middle of the North Fork have guided fishing. Glacierguides.com is who I've been guiding with. There's several other outfitters as well. But there's actually no guided fishing in the park versus some other parks. So a lot of folks are surprised by that. I had mixed feelings about it over the years. There's times when I thought they should offer kind of direct guided fishing in the park. But there's other times when I think it's okay. You know, let's have the guided fishing be just on the, the borders and the interior. Folks can have kind of a pure fishing experience just with themselves and the lake. Yeah, it's uh, ahead, it's, it's yeah, it's kind of um, you know I've talked about this before. I, I used to run a lot of rivers, Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, Grand Canyon, Arizona. I've run you know rode them all myself and, and done private trips and so forth. But you know, on all those rivers that I've just in the states I just talked about, you know, you're in a lottery system, and sometimes it takes years to get a permit because ninety percent of the trips are 
commercial trips, and only less than 10% are open to the public. So that's always caught in as kind of a rough spot, and that's almost like what you were just talking about is in the case of Glacier, it's like, wow, the public has full access. <laughs> you know, it's like the opposite, or totally the opposite of some of these rivers that you're trying to get permits on. So it'll be interesting yeah, to it see is. what, you know, the laws and policies are going forward in the U.S. because, you know, Europe has been for a long time a, a pay-to-play. You know, you have to be in a club to fish kind of thing. And I think that will be changing here as well, too. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing that... Glacier has kind of this backcountry permit system, and a lot of the stillwater fishing in the park is kind of in the backcountry where you have to hike in, bring your own gear and fish. And they kind of have a certain number of people that can stay at that lake each night for the summer. And so when you get there, you know, think of a place like Glens Lake. Glens Lake has two really nice campsites at each end, and it's a great fishing lake. And you're never going to have more than 10, 20 people at that lake at any one time, whereas, you know, in some unregulated areas, you might show up at a popular fishing lake in Colorado or Oregon or someplace else and have, you know, a lot of people there. So right. you never really kind of have it to yourself in Glacier Park, but you might have it with just a few other people that all worked fairly hard to get there. Now, that brings up a question of how hard is it or how much in advance do you have to make reservations for those backcountry lakes and so forth? Yeah, so some of them you need to, there's a kind of a lottery drawing and you get into it in, um, I think it's January or February. You can start advanced reservations, some of the backcountry permits. And then they hold out about half of those for folks to kind of walk in and, and usually they're, they're getting there real early to the APGAR Visitor Center and waiting for the Visitor Center to open and uh, seeing what's available after the the reservations are through. But the one nice thing is there's no day hiking permits required. So you can day hike into all the day hike lakes in the park that you want without a permit. So you don't need a permit to hike to them and you don't need a permit to fish. So it's more just, you know, getting into the trailhead and hiking in and, and, you know, planning your day so you have time to fish. Usually you can plan if you're hiking two miles an hour is pretty fair for most folks. So you plan the, the mileage you have to hike by two miles an hour and then how much time you'll have to fish and when you need to start and leave. And you usually can get a good amount of fishing in for, a, a you know, a four to six mile hike in, in somewhere or even up to eight mile if you're feeling spry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Now, are there specific maps that you recommend for the park, specific to fishing, that, that are useful? Yeah, there's a lot of good commercial maps of the park. I tend to be a, a Google Earth and USGS guy, so I like to zoom in on kind of a section of stream on Google Earth and take a screenshot and print that out, and then kind of also look at the free downloadable USGS map you can get off USGS Map Viewer and print that out. And that's kind of how I do my route prep. With the Google Earth picture, you can usually see kind of some of the bends in the stream and, and where the heavy brush might be and gives you a little better kind of itinerary access point. Also, in my book, we have a fair amount of maps on where the lakes are and tips on how to get there and campsites and stuff. But 
with any guidebook, I usually also do a little internet search before I actually head out the door and take a look on Google Earth and what it actually looks like. Right, right, yeah, that's a good idea. In fact, I'm, I'm wondering now, because uh, my next show on the 20th is with Scott Carver, who I just met at the IFTD show in Salt Lake City last week. And they've got a new, it's called On Water app that they're documenting all the fisheries and distances and, I mean, all kinds of things they're documenting about the different places to fish in the United States. And I'm wondering how much they've added to for Glacier National Park. So that's going to be a question I'm going to ask him. <laughs> so I haven't actually <laughs> used the app yet, but it's new, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of coverage they actually have. Because that, from just well, looking yeah. at your book, I mean, there's that's really a lot of lakes and creeks in that park. I mean, that in itself, as you did, make a book about. Yeah. That's yeah, a, you'll have to see know, whether he has a Mishiwabin uh, whether he has uh, certain lakes on there that don't have fish in his, in his app, but or if yeah, he has hot spots that. on the Mokawanis River where there is a really good spot to fish, and you know we'll see how many people know about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Only the people that really know the fisheries will be able to kind of sort it all out and know how good it is, but. That's something that we'll talk about is how they get their information and stuff. But anyway, one thing I didn't ask you about your guiding, if somebody would want to do a trip with you, where would they, how would they find you, Russ? Yeah, they can just go on the Internet to glacierguides.com and book a trip right there and just request me so that you'll mm -hmm. get me, Russ Schneider. And that, that's who I guide through and you know, have worked with them for a long time. I do do some guiding for other outfitters, but that's kind of the primary uh, place that I do glacier okay. park trips. I don't actually And what was the website again? Uh, GlacierGuides.com. GlacierGuides.com, okay. Mm -hmm. You were saying you, you don't do hiking? Oh, I, I used to do hiking and backpacking trips, but I, I don't do those anymore. But they do offer hiking and backpacking trips in the park for folks that want, need a little assistance kind of getting into the backcountry in the park, and they are the licensed concessionaire for Glacier National Park for that kind of stuff. Do they have any uh, horseback backcountry trips in the park? They do. You know, they can hook you up with the horse outfitters. They don't do that stuff kind of in-house, but they work with, there's several other good horse outfitters that run trips into the park. Most of the horse traffic in the park is really kind of going up and down to the chalets, to Granite Park Chalet and Sperry Chalet. There's not a ton of horse traffic in other areas of the park, um, except for the rangers. Most of the rangers are riding horses around into the park, so a lot of times you see a ranger on a horse or the trail crew working horses. Right, right. What about the seasons? When can you fish the park? You know, lakes are open year-round. The streams have kind of a, the traditional kind of May start for their opening time. I would say, you know, although it's open for ice fishing, you know, some of the the winter camping specifics for the park make it a little hard to kind of get an ice auger back into the backcountry. And so there's not a ton of kind of winter fishing going on when the lakes are frozen. Um, you can fish the rivers. On the middle and the North Fork, do fish year-round uh, and are open year-round. And, you know, obviously the fish move into kind of their winter-holding water, the deeper pools, 
preferably where there's some spring water nearby or good kind of winter holding water. Uh, so those are kind of the winter opportunities. There's no closure necessarily in the winter of the lakes, but not a lot of people or the do park. it in the winter, I don't think. Yeah. The park's open all year round as well? It is, yeah. Obviously, the okay. some of the facilities aren't as open in the winter. You're not going to get the lodging in the off-season. You'll have to kind of stay a little further from the park in one of the towns around than actually in the park in the winter. But it's still a great park year-round. And the Flathead, the North Fork and the Middle Fork of the Flathead River, those are just free-running rivers, right? There's no dams. There's no tailwaters there. Is that correct? Yeah, they are both free-running. The North Fork comes from Canada, uh, many miles up into Canada. The Middle Fork actually starts in the middle of the Bob Marshall Wilderness and comes all the way down. They meet near West Glacier. And then the South Fork, which is dammed, joins just downstream from where the Middle and the North Forks come together. They come together okay. in a place called Blankenship Bridge, which is a fairly well-known spot and a kind of a beautiful place to end your day on the river for sure. Okay, okay. Jerry Sherman in Kentucky wrote in and says, with Glacier having a large population of grizzly bears, 300, and black bears, 600, are you concerned about encounters while fishing there? Yeah, I think you should be concerned. I always, I like to wear a little chest pack and uh, when I'm fishing anywhere in Glacier, I always like to have my bear spray kind of on the left side of my chest pack that's easily accessible. So when you get here, you can't take bear spray on a plane. So when you land, you need to buy some. And it, it's kind of the safest way to kind of hike in the park is to have bear spray. There's some research that says it's even better than having a firearm, although firearms are allowed in national parks nowadays if you're legal with all your your paperwork. For me, I haven't had a lot of trouble with grizzly bears in the years I've been in the park. I've had a couple instances where a grizzly bear will move toward me. I've had a couple instances where grizzly bear will show kind of territorialness, and then you know we typically give them the territory and go the other way and give them a wide berth. So I've never been attacked or mauled or hurt by a bear. I do have extended family that have back in the day, but most people can hike all day and never see a bear. Just your hiking makes a lot of noise. Moving around the brush makes a lot of noise. Uh, you do have to be a little more careful when you're by a rushing stream and there's swirling wind just to kind of be aware of your surroundings. But generally, it's pretty safe in the park to be fishing, even with the bears around. Yeah, I remember, I'm trying to, I want to say it starts with a K or a C, but one of my guests on a previous show, and I think we were talking about Yellowstone, in fact, carries around some kind of like a Kluger or Kluger, Kluger horn. It's like a high-piercing air-compressed horn or something. Have you <laughs> ever used one of those or know about those? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. When I was a kid... So my father wrote a book called Bearware, which is on safe travel in, in um, bear country. And when I was mm -hmm. young, 
maybe 11, I think, we did a hike to uh, Camas Lake in Glacier National Park, which is in the Trout Lake drainage. And we were hiking along, and it was kind of that swirling wind kind of situation where there was a lot of rushing water by Camas Creek there. And we came across two young grizzly bears that were seemed kind of couldn't quite figure out where we were, kind of seemed agitated. And so they were up the drainage kind of standing up and sniffing around and doing their thing. And at the time, my dad was kind of looking at different ways to kind of travel safety in bear country and took one of those horns and he took the horn out and he blew that horn and those two grizzly bears, they still couldn't see us or didn't know exactly where we were, started running around like crazy, jumping up in the air, generally freaking out. And myself and my my younger brother were like, turned to my dad and said, I don't know if that was such a good idea. <laughs> and uh, we decided to turn around. So we uh, we turned around and we went back to Arrow Lake, which is in that same drainage. And But on the way, we saw this huge grizzly bear on the other side of the valley. And at the time, it looked like the size of a Volkswagen bug to me. And But that was actually what those two younger bears were probably agitated by, not us. They were agitated mm. by that other really big grizzly bears, because grizzlies will take care of each other if the ones... That, they don't get out of each other's territory. So it's funny that you bring uh, up yeah. that horn because I, I remember that yeah. horn. And, yeah, I'm not doing the horn. The I other just, thing that people do is the bear bells, and you see people with the bear yeah. bells, and you do prescribe to kind of metallic noise, but I think the best thing is to just go with other people and, uh, you know, make noise, uh, you know, sing uh, or make human yeah. noise as much as you can uh, when you're in yeah. kind of that brushy situation. I did Go ahead, Roger. Up, uh, <laughs> yeah, the name of that horn is a klaxon, K-L-A-X-O-N. So it's like a can of compressed air with a horn on top. So I guess it makes yeah. a really loud noise. I, I've never used one, but I think I've heard them before in some place. But anyway, that's what it was, klaxon. So if anybody wants to look those up. So, um, yeah, interesting I did get a question. I'm getting some questions in here on the Internet, Russ. One was, have you ever had to use your bear spray? And uh, no, I haven't. I have sprayed it occasionally, but it was for different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Relatives that weren't invited or (laughs) (laughs) what? Well, you know, other types of animals. uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Another question came in from Treg in Moscow, Idaho. He says, are some of the lakes accessible without hiking to fish? Yeah, definitely. So a couple, you know, obviously the biggest ones you see driving the going to Sun Road are St. Mary and Lake McDonald. I would highly advise St. Mary over Lake McDonald if you're going to fish. Lake McDonald tends to not be great fishing except maybe in the late fall time of year. But there are other good lakes you can drive to in the the mini glacier area. has quite a few that are right by the roads and parking areas. Two Medicine has some great lakes, both 
Prey Lake and, and Two Medicine Lake are good fishing. You can also, if you can get a permit for the North Fork, drive up to Kenta Lake, which is a great place just to visit, not only fishing as well. So yeah, there's good still water opportunities. Most of the major fishing areas in the park are really still water, kind of lake fishing type opportunities. The river fishing is kind of on the border of the park, and then you're looking at kind of smaller streams kind of on the east and west side that kind of connect the lakes. And Uh whether they're good fishing or not can depend a lot on kind of how close they are to a good lake that that also holds fish. Another question I meant to ask when we were talking about bears is Phil McCartney in Kentucky wrote in and says, what are some of the locations in Glacier where a person can stay in a cabin overnight in safety rather than be outside and more exposed to the attention of a bear? Do they have cabin facilities in the park that you can stay in? Yeah, there aren't many cabins that you can kind of rent from like Forest Service cabin. Most of the patrol cabins in the backcountry are just used by the patrollers for maintenance and such. There are a lot of patrol cabins kind of hidden in the backcountry for that purpose. To do what he's talking about, you know, your best bet would probably be to rent one of the cabins in the Apgar Village or rent one of the cabins in St. Mary, and then you're right on the border of the park, kind of Uh in your cabin area. There are, there's also some cabins in East Glacier that you're pretty close to the park and Midvale Creek and those areas. Waterton up to the north, I mean, you're kind of more in Canada. They do have kind of rentals in Waterton, but it's more of a town. Those are probably your best bet. So basically, those kind of lodging facilities are on the border and not in the park, per se. Yeah, I can't really think of any... You know, nothing like in the winter, folks around here will kind of rent a forest service cabin and ski into it. They don't really do that like that in Glacier, Okay. like some okay. places. Yeah, yeah. Phil also asked, do you fish the lakes in the, in the park for your own pleasure? Is that a place you hang out? <laughs> I do. I've had some really nice fishing times. I went into Upper Two Medicine Lake with my daughter last fall, and was uh, dead drifting a leech in a white caps and caught a nice lake trout and then we hiked out so I got to exercise and hang out with my daughter and uh, fish a little bit that was nice yeah I definitely do the park and I spend a lot of time on the river too I just like the rivers floating and fishing both ways I do spend a lot of time on the river as well Chuck in Placerville wrote in here on the internet If you're planning a fishing trip to the park, how many days should you plan to experience fishing the park's waters? You know, I had several folks last year that the way they kind of did their fishing in Glacier Park trip was to do kind of a a two- or three-day backpack to some lakes they could fish, and then maybe a fourth day where they did kind of a day hike somewhere to fish or someplace closer to a hotel and then they do kind of a river trip, kind of a full-day river trip with an outfitter the last day because, you know, typically you're tired and you want to sit a little bit and let somebody else do the rowing on the last day. That's probably a good way to do a week of fishing in Glacier Park. I highly recommend getting into the backcountry and spending a significant time at one of the lakes. And if you do that with a backcountry permit, you get to kind of fish in the morning and evening instead of 
you know, having to fish in the middle of the day when you're hiking to and from otherwise. You would consider, when we're talking about fishing glacier, that it is more of a, overall, more of a backcountry fishing experience? Yes and no. I think some of the really good fishing is in the backcountry and takes mm -hmm. a little effort to get to. I think the front country fishing tends to get a little concentrated at a time, like the real obvious spots, you're going to have some company. But mm -hmm. there's also some spots, like on St. Mary Lake, where people are mostly looking at the scenery and, and drive right by a good fishing spot all day. So it's a mix. I don't think it's all backcountry. I think I have a little bit of a bias towards the backcountry because that's kind of how my Glacier Park experience blossomed. You know, I really got to love the the backcountry campgrounds and the fishing I could do in the morning before making folks breakfast and stuff like that. So that, that's a little bit of my bias and just how I talk about it, I think, mm -hmm. Roger. Okay, okay. Let's take a, just a quick break here and we'll come right back and dive back into the Glacier National Park. Enrico Puglisi flies pride themselves with creating unique and one-of-a-kind flies and fly tying material. Enrico has been experimenting with durable synthetic and natural materials to create flies that catch fish for more than 20 years. His innovative products, including brushes, fibers, and components, have made a major impact on the direction of saltwater fly fishing, and his methods and materials are respected worldwide. Whether you want your flies hand-tied for you or would like to tie your own, be sure to visit Enrico Puglisi Flies and browse through their online catalog. Visit etflies.com and do a little shopping today. Again, that's etflies.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Russ Schneider about fly fishing Glacier National Park. If you'd like to ask Russ a question, just use that Q&A text box on our homepage and send it in, and we'll try to get it answered. Russ, I wanted to talk about you broke your book down into drainages, and so that was an organizational approach that you took to the park. Can you talk to those different drainages and tell us, you know, is there what makes it different from the other areas? What makes them unique? That kind of thing. And if we could do that, I'll just do it in order that you have in the book, if that's okay. Uh, you talk about the North Fork of the Flathead River drainage first. So can you speak to that? Tell us what's special about that drainage and what we should expect. Yeah, so the North Fork has kind of become a special place, and it's gotten a fair amount of coverage in recent years. I think there was even a BBC article on Polebridge up the North Fork. But the North Fork is kind of a dirt road access only area, long dirt road drive from either West Glacier or Columbia Falls. It has a big kind of meandering, free-flowing river, which is very popular with floating and angling. And then it has a system of kind of finger lakes that are these large, long glacial formed lakes that kind of feed into the North Fork. And so they have either one or two lakes. It's pretty common, like for instance, in the logging lake drainage. Logging lake is, is a big long lake and then upstream of it there will be Grace Lake and then spawning in between those two. And then 
the fishery, you know, originally was a West Slope cutthroat, bull trout, and mountain whitefish, and then some other minor sculpin species and others fishery. And it's still relatively intact. It's been impacted a little bit by rainbow hybridization and lake trout moving into some of the lakes. So, for example, in Bowman Lake, that's pretty much dominated by lake trout. Quartz lakes, they still have pretty good population of bull trout in the, the main quartz lake. Logging Lake, they lake trout moved in there and pretty much dominated that lake. And the Park Service or the USGS actually transplanted some of the bull trout out of Logging Lake into Grace Lake. And then they've done work to kind of put barriers in some of these streams to kind of protect the upstream uh, lakes from lake trout getting further up. As far as the fishing, the streams are all pretty good in the North Fork. Some of the feeder streams would be smaller fish. The lakes, the ones that have lake trout in them, you know, obviously the best time to fish for lake trout is kind of late into the fall, and they come into shore a little bit closer. And in the summer, you're going to be fishing more for your the West Slope cutthroat and other rainbows and hybrids that have moved into the system. Yeah, and, and now in your book, when you talk about each one of these lakes or streams or so forth, you're telling folks what's in there, and didn't, you, didn't I see a code in there as to, oh, I forget what you called it, the availability of the fish or something like that? I yeah, know. I tried to list them in order of kind of my assessment of what's most common. I have like rare and common on the code. Right. And that has changed a little bit over time. In this revision, I tried to go look at the more recent research and see what is more common in some lakes. I know, for example, you know, just from firsthand experience, like I went back and visited Arrow Lake not too long ago, and compared to the when I went there as a kid, the fishing was a bit different. There really wasn't as much surface action. There's just so many bull trout in that drainage that there's not a ton of cutthroat in a small lake like that for kind of fly fishing on the surface. Or there's other lakes where, like in Logging Lake, where they've taken a lot of the lake trout out, some of the surface fish are moving back in, and it's actually pretty decent fishing nowadays. So those are the kind of things that kind of happen over time to parks in the Mm -hmm. lake, and some of it is introduction of trying to preserve native species and other aspects of it is just conditions changing a little bit over time. Uh-huh. Right. But that's nice to know in your book that you're able to see what to expect in that lake or creek or whatever, and whether it's, like you say, I, I found that abundant, common, or rare for that particular fisheries. That should help people before they go in to know what to expect. I think that's great. So the next one, then, is the Waterton River drainage, and I think you just mentioned that. That's way north, right? Yeah, and Waterton is, there. Are some, the Waterton River itself is not too bad, although it has been tough in recent years with the kind of border restrictions and staffing to get into Waterton. You have to take the international across Waterton Lake from Waterton to get into that part of the park. But there are some really kind of unfished streams in there. Uh, Valentine Creek comes to mind. Just some of these places like that could be just tough to get to 
And so if you are able to put it together with a good campsite at Kootenai Lake and have a day to go fish there, you could do really well without any company, other than maybe the bears, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So that's really more of a wilderness-type drainage, it sounds like, uh, basically due to not easy access, right? Yeah, outside of the main boat dock there, it gets very wild very fast and just gorgeous part of the park in a lot of ways. Okay, okay. And then what about Belly River drainage? Where is Yeah, that? for our family, the Belly River drainage is one of our favorites. The, uh, hmm. um, the river itself is very good. Elizabeth Lake is well known in the park for grayling. And, in fact, I think a state record grayling could probably come out of Elizabeth Lake if you could get it to a scale in time. It's nine mile, nine or ten miles in there, so you'd have to kind of get it out to a scale to get it. But I've caught some very large grayling out of Elizabeth Lake. And then there's some really nice rainbows in Cosley and Glens Lake. They're a little bit harder to catch, but when you get them, they're very nice fish. And lake trout in that drainage as well. And the bull trout have held their own in the Belly River drainage. The Park Service closed uh, the North Fork of the Belly to fishing a while back to preserve bull trout, and that's a very good spawning stream that is preserved for bull trout and has kind of kept that drainage pretty intact from the fish they had there before. What stream was that, did you say? The North Fork of the Belly. It was a, you know, what's interesting for me is some of these places I was able to fish before they closed for various reasons. I can think of the North Fork of the Belly closed for bull trout preservation. So did Acacola Lake, which I've fished before that. And those closures, I hope, will someday kind of produce a pulse of fish and a recovery of bull trout that kind of leads the park service and managers to kind of open bull trout fishing a little bit more down the road. But if we don't kind of do our part on the fisher side of uh, making sure to release bull trout and such, that's going to be a a steep road to see kind of those kind of places reopen down the road. So the North Fork of the Valley River is not open right now? Is that where it is? It is not. It's closed to fishing, and that's kind of one of those kind of areas to think about when you're kind of looking at the regulations. They list the areas that are closed. There's some other closures like the outlet of Hidden Lake was closed for certain times of year for spawning, but Hidden Lake Uh is a good kind of place to just go fishing a lot of the time of year if you can get a parking spot at Logan Pass, of course. I'm curious about the bull trout. Now, they're primarily in rivers or streams, right, not in lakes, or do I have that wrong? Well, they used to be uh, more dominant in the lakes. My experience is that they're, the lake trout are become so dominant in the lakes that they're adopting a little bit more of a river habitat. I mean, some of them do stay in the river all winter, but they used to kind of pulse out of Flathead Lake, and it used to be kind of a world-class bull trout fishery in the Three Forks of the Flathead you know, back in the day. And they've done a good job of kind of holding ground as much as possible with declines in habitat and species moving in and such. But for it to return to full sport fishing, we just got to get make some more progress here over time 
for that to happen. Right. And so if you do catch one, you just need to be careful to keep them wet and make sure they're released on harm. I strongly recommend single hook fishing. You know, most fly fishermen are single hook fishing, but if you're with folks that are using lures, you know, if you can get them to cut off two hooks, their lures, it's really important. And they've actually instituted that yeah. regulation for the, the rivers already. Yeah, most people fly fishing nowadays are using single hook barbless, which is about the best we can do, I think. But yeah, treble hook, oh God. Thank goodness we don't use that in fly fishing, yeah. McDonald Creek drainage. Tell us about yeah, so that. McDonald Creek drainage, it's generally thought that McDonald Creek doesn't hold fish, and people will stop by the road and kind of start fishing in it because it's, you know, right there by the Glenison Road. But it does hold fish in some of the pools, and actually if you get kind of up the upper drainage, it actually is a pretty nice little day of fishing. There's some nice lakes in that area, like Fish Lake is a good place to actually catch fish. The uh, Snyder Lakes is a fun place to take kids for fairly abundant smaller fish. Trout Lake is always nice. We talked about that drainage a bit. A little bit of a hike over the ridge for some folks, but a good area to fish. Okay. Then you have St. Mary River drainage. Yeah, St. Mary... River drainage has some nice lakes like Red Eagle Lake and Otokomi Lake and Gunsight Lake. You've got a lot of different species of fish in the drainage, everything from northern pike all the way up to cutthroat rainbow hybrids. You have Yellowstone cutthroat in places like Otokomi Lake. You have brooks, brook trout and rainbows in Gunsight Lake. You have native bull trout, cutthroat in St. Mary Lake and native lake trout. A lot of good stuff in the St. Mary drainage. And it's, you know, a lot of the pictures you see of the park with the mountains in the background, that's kind of St. Mary Lake has that kind of east side scenery that people really like when they come hmm. to the park. Okay, okay. Then you have the North Fork Cutbank Creek drainage. Yeah, talking about grizzly bears a little bit, one of the nicer lakes in that drainage is Medicine Grizzly Lake. It has rainbows in it. They're not too hard to catch. A lot of them are in the 13, 14-inch range and fairly abundant. So that's a good lake in that drainage. There's also kind of a more obscure but longer hike. Katoya Lake has a Yellowstone cutthroat in it. And it's a nice little kind of bench up on the ridge. You get a beautiful view of the mountains to the north when you're there. There is a, you know, Morningstar Lake in the middle of the drainage. I've had quite a bit of back and forth with folks on whether there's actually fish in Morningstar Lake or not, but usually not very many, but since there are Yellowstone cutthroat upstream and they do occasionally leak down to Morningstar Lake, there's occasionally a fish there, but most people wouldn't kind of make that a fishing destination. <laughs> You'd want more than okay. one one leaked fish from the lake above to kind of yeah. make yeah. that your primary destination. And then we have two Medicine River drainage, which is what to the southeast part of the park it looks like. Hmm. Yeah, and two Medicine drainage has a lot of kind of lake trout and brook trout and some rainbows in it, but very good lakes to fish in that drainage like Otokomi and No Name and Upper Two Medicine. And actually the main Two Medicine Lake and even down to the reservoir are pretty good, pretty good stuff, spots to fish. 
then finally the uh, middle fork of the Flathead River drainage, which is closer to, it looks like West Glacier down there, right? Yeah, so the middle fork, you know, the way they did the closures on the middle and north fork, on the middle fork, all the streams on the park side are close to fishing. So you can't fish any of the streams kind of upstream of Harrison Creek on that, on the middle fork drainage. But you do have some great lakes there. Isabel Lake uh, is great. Harrison Lake and can be very good, although the lake trout have moved in there quite a bit. And then the river is outstanding, and some of the whitewater sections fish very well, even though, you know, the focus of a lot of folks is, is the actual whitewater. But even the uh, main, the Middle Fork has the main whitewater rafting section in the park, and so there's a lot of heavy traffic with rafts and such from Moccasin down to West Glacier. But above that, uh, there's lots of good wade fishing and lots of good places to kind of get away from folks if you're willing to to hike a little bit or float a little bit. Okay, okay. We had a question in, come in from Chuck from Placerville. He says he's interested in knowing the type of gear, rod weight, and fly selection to take to the area for fly fishing. Also, are there local fly shops in the area for knowledge and gear? Good question. We yeah, come so out, I come across. Yeah, I would say I like, I fish with a six weight. I like kind of dry line for all-purpose fishing. I used to kind of carry wet line with me, but I don't do that as much anymore. So I like a six weight fly rod that you can still handle a, a streamer with, but get a decent presentation. And then I do quite a bit of nymphing, so a six weight handles a nymph set up a little bit better for me than uh, a lighter rods. Some of the lakes, a lot of people for backpacking want a real lightweight kit. A four-weight, a four-piece four-weight is really nice for backpacking. And then other gear, it's nice to have so those those wet-weight socks, like a good pair of wet-weight socks and your wading boots are really nice to have, even if you're not worried about the temperature of the water. Protect your feet when you're going through the brush and some other things. And then as far as shops, you know, obviously I work out of Glacier Guides in West Glacier, but there's some other good fly shops around. Larry's Fly Shop in Columbia Falls is a good fly shop. Lakestream Fly Shop in Whitefish is a good fly shop. And there's several others in the area that can help you out with suggestions on, um, you know, where to go and such. Is that Larry's the same one that Hillary Hutchinson owns? Yeah, Larry's is LA. Hillary's yeah. shop. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just, I met her at the show in Salt Lake City last week, so that just... I, yeah, we because Larry's is spelled differently, L-A-R-Y apostrophe, yes, you know, it just caught my eye, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Hillary fishes a little bit more out of a raft than I do, and then sometimes she, you know, I'll be in my wooden drift boat, and she'll be coming down in her raft, and, you know, a little bit different style there, but she's good at what she does, too. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, that's uh, good, that kind of covers the drainages, and, uh, I'm going to run through a bunch of these questions here because we still have a, a bunch of questions that people sent in. Phil McCartney in Kentucky, uh, this is an interesting question. Are multiple fisheries present in Glacier with different needs that result in different management approaches for each lake, stream, or maybe drainage in this case? And uh, what are examples of steps being taken to protect the fisheries in Glacier? Yeah, 
they have kind of a native fish approach in drainages that are fairly intact where they're trying to preserve the native fish that are there and provide barriers to keep the non-native fish out of them. And then they also, so an example of that would be the Camas drainage where they did a fairly major project to transplant bull trout up to Lake Evangeline fairly recently. And then the kind of opposite example would be kind of the mini glacier or the two medicine drainage where there's a lot of non-native fish there. And so it's more of kind of a hands-off, let people fish and kind of take as many as they want kind of approach to those areas. And, and you know, that's just a, an efficiency standpoint. It's more efficient to focus your efforts where you're going to be more successful at preserving native fish. Is there any stocking done in the park? Not anymore, nope. No stocking. Okay. Uh, not even of native fish other than the kind of transplanting of native fish from, you know, lakes that are kind of down drainage, uh, so to speak. Yeah, Leonard in Las Vegas asks about guides who do float trips, and we were just basically talking about that. So are most of the float yeah. trips on the north fork of the Flathead and the Middle Fork, is that where the float trips are? Yep. That's where the licensed guiding is, is on the Middle and North Forks of the Flathead. Okay. And that's where all the outfitters okay. that are legitimately running guided trips are running trips. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, Alan Rupp from New York wrote in, without naming creek names, are there creeks in the park where you can catch smaller average size fish but have days where you catch 50-plus fish on a tractor flies? And I would say yes, there are, but not as many as if he's fished in Yellowstone. And when I fish as a kid, there are some. The creek fishing in Yellowstone is a little stronger than Glacier as far as the um, just the productivity. Oh. It's there's a creek like, well, I guess I wasn't supposed to name creeks, but I'll, I'll name <laughs> one. He was giving Cut you the creek. break there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like for Go instance, ahead. Cutbank Creek. I've had really good days in Cutbank Creek, but I've also had days where it was darn hard to get any fish out of Cutbank Creek. So, oh. you know, it can be a little more hit and miss on the creek fishing in the park than other places. Okay. Okay. Dante Bonani in Montana wrote in and says, please talk about opportunities around Duck Lake, Four Horns, Kip, maybe Mittens Lake, and the St. Mary River drainage, which we just talked about. But any, yeah, any so... About bull trip? Yeah, those are lakes that aren't in Glacier Bark. They're on the Blackfeet Reservation, oh. and you have to buy a Blackfeet tribal permit to fish those. Duck Lake is very well known for having good, large fish, fair amount of stocked fish in there. In fact, they kind of congregate around the, the boat ramp during spawning season looking for their ancestor truck. <laughs> but it can be very fun fishing. You get one of those hot fish on a, on a shrimp on a bobber or something like that and it can be pretty fun. Or a lot of times on those lakes, a good technique is to float a bugger or a leech on an indicator and kind of let the water, kind of the waves kind of move it for you. Mm. Okay, okay. Let's see here. And he asked about bull trout. I'm just, all he said is bull trout, question mark. But I'm going to expand upon that and say, if you were, if you've not caught a bull trout, and you'd like to catch a bull trout, which of the drainages would you focus on to be able to do that? Yeah, so you're not supposed to target bull trout per se oh, okay. uh, in Glacier Park. 
you know, I wouldn't really say yeah, that's you know, what I, I retract. where you would go to <laughs> target those. <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit of a hard thing in Montana. They have this regulation about targeting bull trout, and some techniques that would catch bull trout would catch kind of any large predatory fish. But yeah. you should kind of avoid kind of seeking them out until such time as they kind of change the regulations to where it's kind of okay to target bull trout. There is right. One, right. Uh, one area in Montana where you can specifically target them and you can get a tag, and that is on the south fork of the flathead. Oh, You're able okay. to kind of target and if you have a bull trout tag and there's some special regulations with kind of reporting your catch and that kind of thing. But hopefully someday we'll get back to where we can uh, just have yeah. straight kind of catch and release fishing for bull trout. Okay. Jason Stacy in Ashland, Kentucky asks, if you were staying near Apgar Village, what are some spots to attempt to catch cutthroat trout near there? Yeah, so your easiest thing would be to kind of go down to the middle fork from Apgar and fish the river for cutthroat, probably near the quarter circle bridge area where a lot of people go. Or if you wanted to catch Yellowstone cutthroat, you could go to Fish Lake, which isn't too far from McDonald Lodge, kind of in that same area. And that's kind of a self-contained lake that only has Yellowstone cutthroat in it, so you're not doing any damage to the environment by uh, catching or, or working those lake, those uh, Yellowstone cutthroat in there. Okay. Craig in Portland, Oregon, asks, he says, I know the season must be shortened in Glacier National Park because of the weather, but... What's the fall fishing like? Also, are there smaller streams to fish that don't require a backpacking trip to reach? Yeah, so the fall is very good. I would say the bigger lakes that have lake trout, the October-November time frame is a great time to try and target those with a fly rod. You obviously need to get sinking line, and you need to get closer to the kind of gravel beds. You probably won't get the big females. You probably just get the smaller male lake trout, but you can get lake trout on a fly rod in the late time of year. As far as the streams, there's definitely streams. Like all these streams flow into the lakes near a road, and almost all of them have fish. There are some, I said, that were closed kind of on the Middle Fork side of things, but all the North Fork streams are open. Almost all the streams in the Lake McDonald Valley area are open to fishing. Okay. Phil in Kentucky said in 1969 he spent a summer working at the lodge on Lake McDonald. He says he fished trout lake soon after ice out and caught trout despite having minimal skill. And later in the summer he fished Arrow Lake and Grinnell Lake with less success. He said he'd like to return to Glacier and fish but wonder about the state of the fishery. So he'd like to know what the current state of the fishery in those lakes is. Yeah, so I talked about Arrow Lake a little bit. I would say Grinnell Lake is a little tough sometimes with the discoloration coming down from Grinnell Glacier. With a, a fly anger that's being kind of honest about his fly fishing and isn't putting scented power bait on his fly, <laughs> it's a little tougher when you have that really turquoise water, so mm-hmm. I can understand that. I probably would have done a little better to fish like Swift Current Lake or kind of go up the other drainage and fish maybe Bullhead Lake you know, or, or one of those lakes. But I think the state of the fishery is pretty good. I'd say the the main pressure on the park is really the level of overall visitation. And, you know, all national parks are kind of dealing with handling that in an appropriate fashion. 
uh, as best they can. And there's a lot of good yeah, people that work yeah. in the park that are doing their best to preserve the resource as much as they can. Uh, Matt McGraw in Virginia asks, what advice would you give to someone looking to plan a do-it-yourself fly fishing center trip to Glacier National Park? Yeah, I think I I talked a little bit earlier about the kind of five-day plan. I think I'd stick with that one, mm -hmm. Roger, on that question. Okay, okay. Because it sounds like basically other than the drift fishing on the rivers, you're, it's do-it-yourself, period, because there's no guiding in the park anyway. So, yeah. Tim Meyer, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, he says, please mention a few walk and wait opportunities in the park. Yeah, I mean, I that's mostly what I do. I think the um, a real nice walk and wait is to walk down to the Belly River and kind of fish up it till you're tired and then go home. I think Two Medicine Lake right from the camp store is good, especially early and late in the year. Middle summer, you might want to kind of go up drainage a little bit, but those would be good places. And we'll make this the final question. It's about equipment, but Ruben Amador, Colorado Springs, asks, he says, in your opinion, what's the most overrated piece of equipment between the flying angler and the fish? Is it the rod, reel, fly line, leader, fly, or anything else you've heard people stress over in their setup? And likewise, do you believe, what do you believe is the most undervalued part of the fly rig that anglers often overlook but make or break a day on the water? Yeah, I think you don't have to have the highest end fly line. Obviously, it's nice to have a new fly line that casts well, but as far as just catching fish, as long as it holds together, you're going to be okay. The one that might be underrated is the drag setting on your reel. If you, When you do finally get that bigger fish that you want to land, if you don't kind of haven't thought about your drag setting a little bit and have a reel that's in good working order, you might not be able to land that bigger fish. So I think sometimes that's underrated, thinking about your your drag on your reel. Right. Good, good. Any final comments, Russ, you'd like to share with everybody about the park? Yeah, I, I think that, folks, Glacier has more fishing than you think, and it's a different experience than some of the national parks, but the purity the purity of the national experience is really kind of unmatched. And I think it is worth a visit. If you haven't visited Glacier Park, you need to visit at some point. And you should definitely think about fishing, either with a guide on the rivers or on your own in the park when you do visit. It's really a treasure for the continent, in my opinion. Been very good to me yeah, over it, the years. It seems like there's a lot of variety there, from drift fishing the rivers to fishing small creeks, to large lakes, to small lakes. Quite the variety if you spent a week there. It seems like um, it has a ton to offer folks there. Yeah, good. Okay, well. You know, we're, hey, Roger. Uh, yeah, go uh, ahead. Yeah. Yeah, one other thing. I don't know if you, what your question was uh, that you were going to ask folks, but when I'm out on the river, I always ask for what their funniest, funniest movie of all time is, so. Maybe, maybe you can throw that oh. in the question to have to answer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, this is going to be about what we talked about, and um, All right. I'll get to that in just a minute. We are going to give away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International. 
and a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. And we're going to give away your book, Russ, Fishing All Pleasure right. National Park. So okay. someone will be the lucky winner there. Great. And I'll do that in just a moment. The Ugly Bug Fly Shop in Casper, Wyoming, has been serving fly fishers in Wyoming and around the world since 1983. Their selection of top-of-the-line gear and a huge assortment of flies is one of the best in the land. All products are available in their fly shop and online. Looking for advice? Just give them a call, and their expert professional staff will help you with whatever you need. Visit the Ugly Bug Fly Shop today. That's UglyBugFlyShop.com. Uh, call them at 866-845-9284. Again, that's UglyBugFlyShop.com. Call them at 866-845-9284. And just a quick reminder to everyone, before you leave the website tonight, please take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. You can find a link on our homepage in the section under tonight's show that says, what did you think of this show? Just click on the link and leave your comments. We'd really appreciate it. So now it's time to give away some prizes. The first thing we're giving away is a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International. To learn more about FFI, go to flyfishersinternational.org, flyfishersinternational.org. This is a great international organization that helps with conservation around the world, both in fresh water, warm water, salt water, you name it. Check it out. And our winner for that is Ed Miguel, Ed Miguel in California. So, Ed, congratulations on winning that. And uh, I have your email address. We will reach out to you after the show and get you set up so that you can get that membership going. And the next thing we're giving away is a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. And I'm running the database now and trying to find that second winner here. Just give me a second. Uh, here we go. Let's see here. It again here. Hang on, folks. Hang on. The computer's going a little slow here. But we'll find one here in a minute. And it uh, looks like uh, Josh Sheary. Josh Sheary in Pennsylvania. So congratulations, Josh, on winning that one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. And again, we'll reach out to you and get you hooked up for that. Now we'll give away a copy of Russ's book, Fishing Glacier National Park, which if you're going to go there, you're going to have to have this book. Let's see. The, let me clear my queue for this. Now, the way you do this, folks, if you haven't done this before, is to go to the home page where you were asking questions during the show. You're going to use that same form and submit your answer here. So the question is, when we were talking about the different drainages, Russ mentioned a drainage that got wild real quick. He said as soon as you left the readily accessible area, it got wild real quick. What drainage was that? What drainage was that? Well, that might be a tough one, Russ, but we'll see. Uh, nope. Treg says North Fork, Middle Fork, Flathead River. Nope. That's not what I was looking for. You think that one's too tough for us? <laughs> Well, you know, when I ask my funniest movie of all time, there's always no wrong answers. So you're looking for right Oh, oh, I see. (laughs) Oh, check, try it again. Medicine, no. North Fork of the Belly, no. 
I'll give a hint. You had to take a boat to get there. You had to take a boat to get there. We'll give it. Oh, I think we got one here. It's going to be Phil McCartney, Waterton. That's it, Waterton. Good job, Phil. Took you a long time. <laughs> Phil's been listening, I think, since my first show. Oh, Bob Younger got it, too. You're right behind Phil, Bob. Just missed out on that one. So good. That was a little tough one. We had a lot of answers coming in here, but that one took a while. Hey, Phil, you know the routine, and now you have to go back, Phil, since you were there in 1969. You better get your rear end up there and uh, use this book and uh, fish some of those lakes you were asking about. Well, so congrats. Russ, appreciate you being on with us tonight. It was a real pleasure and just to learn all about Glacier and Another one for the bucket list for me. But uh, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Yeah, no, I really appreciate all the listeners, and uh, hopefully they share the same love of Glacier Park when they get here that I do. I, I don't see that how they couldn't. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Well, hopefully all of you have found the podcast archive on our website. If you haven't, just look for the link on the top line of our menu. In that archive, you'll find all of our past shows, over 350 shows now, Search by keyword, use the categories and so forth there. Search for keywords like trout tarpon, glacier national park, things like that, and you'll find uh, all kinds of shows to listen to. So check it out. Our next broadcast will be on April 20th, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, that show I'll interview Scott Carver. And our topic for the show will be the on-water app. It's new technology for fly fishers. Scott Carver is the co-founder and CEO of OnWater, and he will be introducing us to their state-of-the-art software that locates river access points, boat ramps, camping, parking, and knowing the distance between them, plus river, current river flows, weather, everything you need to know, including stream access laws and public land overlays, which can help you to plan where to fish and eliminate worry that you may have about private property. There's even more. Join us. I'm anxious to learn about this new app, and hopefully it will make our fishing more enjoyable and keep us out of trouble. Check that out. We'll be there on April 20th. Be sure to add this to your show. You can just click on Add to Calendar right under Scott's picture on our homepage, and that will put it on your calendars. I'd like to thank Fly Fishers International, Amato Books, Lee's Ferry Anglers, Charlie Leslie Fly Fishing, and Rico Puglisi Flies in the Ugly Bug Fly Shop for sponsoring our show tonight. Don't forget to visit our website at askaboutflyfishing.com and make sure you're signed up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing.